that's okay, not you fun. want the semen coming out. I do. Do you uh, find that you enjoy uh, the direct connection to his orgasmic experience via the semen coming out? In other words, like you, 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 you get a tangible uh, uh, thing in return, or that, that yes, you're you're nodding. Yes. So it, yes, 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 yes. I find it exciting. It excites me for sure. Yeah. It's very yeah. yeah. This is great. Um, yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but... Hello, and welcome to Your Mileage May Vary. We talk about sex and relationships with frankness that is controversial, but mostly in good faith. I'm Keith. My co-host is Mike. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Keith. So on today's show, we're going to be having a conversation with Allison Jane Ewing. Allison is a psychotherapist and emotional freedom technique practitioner. Her book, Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess, provided some great tips for Mike, especially. And her website is howtodatelikeagoddess.com. Welcome to the show, Allison. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited we're... and a little nervous to talk to you guys <laughs> after we'll, listening to your show. We'll we'll try to uh, keep things mostly above board. Uh, could you tell us a bit about your dating journey and where you are with that now? Sure. So I got divorced seven years ago. And at that time, I was initially not even interested in dating. And then I kind of did the thing that it seems like to me a lot of people do right out of long-term marriages, met a guy, fell hard, had this very intense sort of passionate kind of little fling, if you will, or whatever. It lasted a little bit longer than than I had anticipated. And then it came to an end because, of course, it's sort of like, wait a minute, I just came out of a, well, for me, a 17-year marriage. Sure. And I haven't dated around and I can't just like jump on the first thing that comes along. So that sort of dissolved and moved on. And then I have had lots of dating adventures, let's just say, ever since, which prompted me to write the book. Okay. Um, So we have a number of questions here. I'm not quite sure where to start. Mike, do you want to start with, do you have something? Do you want to start with something or do you want me to go? Why don't you go ahead? All right. So you have a number of uh, sort of things in your book that I think are pretty interesting as, as as prompts here. So let's start with, we're talking about this a little bit before we recorded, but let's start with uh, how to talk about um, STDs and birth control. So you mentioned in your book that uh, you have a, a fairly common experience, which is that men are perhaps not as responsible and forthcoming with condoms as you might like. Is that an accurate description? I think that would be an accurate description. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just realized sort of early on that I, I was worried about STDs, obviously indefinitely pregnancy. And I was sort of the only one, it seemed like in the room a lot of the time. And so I had actually read a post, believe it or not, on a like a mom's Facebook group, a single mom's Facebook group I was in, where a woman described that she has this speech and she just kind of like memorizes the speech and then pulls it out at the opportune moment. And it's basically something along the lines of like, look, my health is the most important thing to me in the world. Um, I want to be around for my kids. And so, you know, I'm a condom girl unless up until we decide that we are going to be monogamous 
And, um, and then at that point, we both get tested, we show each other our test results, and we can forego the, right. you know, less than fun. Yeah, I mean, of- nobody, nobody likes condoms. I, right. I have had the experience that when I bring it up with prospective sexual partners, they are surprised that I'm bringing it up. I think the most common female experience is, you know, the ball gets rolling towards sexy times. And if if unprompted, the man would just like go ahead and put his penis inside of you without ever mentioning it. (laughs) That seems fairly insane to me. When do you roll out this speech? Oh, that's a good question because I literally um, <laughs> was just thinking about this last night with someone that I've started seeing a little bit, and I'm like, oh, when do I when do I drop it? So it just sort of depends, I think, in every situation. But there have been times that I have dropped that speech in a very sort of hot and heavy moment, <laughs> and then the typical reaction, which I do describe in my book, has been basically like, oh, okay. And most men will either say, well, I don't have anything. So, you know, obviously they're like hesitant and, you know, they're not, they're not going to go ahead with it unless, you know, and so I have had to be the one to say, well, I do, you know, I'm, I'm prepared kind of thing. I I want to understand. So when you, I mean, we don't need to get that specific about hot and heavy, but um, let's assume that um, his penis is um, exposed to the uh, night air, as it were, in this situation, and is he has a pretty you know solid erection. Um, you so he in that situation, you're you're basically saying you're you're implying that effectively a hundred percent of men are prepared to just begin having intercourse with you without even a discussion of the condom. That appears to be what what would happen if you did not deploy this speech. Is that right? I- In my experience, I feel that way. Yes, it does seem to be the case. And in fact, I even dated a guy one time who, I mean, he was okay with condoms, but he was not, when I got to like the, you know, if we want to be monogamous, we both got to get tested and he wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't He didn't want to get tested? He didn't want to get tested. He was like, I don't need to get tested. I, you know, my last partner was clean. I know it. And, and, you know, and I thought, well, (laughs) how do you know that? And do you know that she absolutely 100% didn't cheat on you? Yeah, I know it. And it was just, it it was this debate and eventually it ended us because I was like, this is weird. I honestly don't think he was hiding anything. I think it was a money issue, to be honest. Like, I think he just didn't want to spend the money. And um, maybe he's afraid of needles. His superpower was, was poverty. You just have to pee in a cup. (laughs) Keith would know this. There are no needles, Keith. Uh, I think for HIV and one well, other. Well, that's true. Yeah, you, need, you have blood. Mm-hmm. You need blood, but for but for like the normal the normal ones. So I have recently gotten an, an STD test myself. Uh, I learned that it is now yeah it's not STD anymore. It's STI. STI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to this um, clinic. I don't know how that makes it Castro. better. I would rather have a disease than an infection. But go on. Yeah, they're very careful about the language now. To not I mean, infected implies there's like pus and it like smells. A disease is like could be, you know, of the flu. Anyway, I'm not sure what those words evoke in my mind. It makes it grosser for me, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> 
I can't remember. Does I actually stand for infection? It probably does. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, struggling with. I don't think it does, but I can't think of what else it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Maybe our listeners can write it. Go on. What edu- What happened in the educate us out of our ignorance? Oh, they just have all this um, sort of gymnastics around language. Like they ask you your sex, and there's you know twenty five different options, and then you can write in or you can say like decline to state, and they have a psychologist on hand that you can talk to before you get your results or when you get your results. Like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty. That makes sense because particularly with regard to HIV, because it's uh, life threatening. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a California thing. Yeah. The neighborhood, I mean, you know, (laughs) California is often sort of bleeding edge on this kind of stuff. And the place where this clinic is free, but it's in the sort of gay neighborhood of San Francisco. So most of the, I don't know if the word is customers. Most of the folks in there Clients, are, yeah. are are gay, and so HIV has a, a higher is is a fairly big concern there. And then, yeah, they also really encourage you to get on prep, which is um, mm-hmm. a thing yeah. that makes you less so, less susceptible to HIV. But yeah, I explained. Keith, I, I thought I, I, I might be less susceptible for here. other reasons. <clears throat> the um, so y- you are. It is there are men in the world, uh, Keith counts himself among them who do not do this sort of weird stealth or it's not even stealth. It's just, they don't, uh, they're not interested in this topic. Why? I don't under, okay. So I don't understand if you're, um, I don't understand why that's not just disqualifying for a guy. Like I realize you're saying it happens effectively all the time, but I, I mm-hmm. like, so you're having to give this speech or, ha- uh, well, I guess to give the speech or have maybe an uncomfortable moment when the man is, when you're about to have sex. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, I, I, it, it, there, it clashes a little bit with my sort of mental model for what women are looking in for, for in relationships because uh, it's such a fundamental, frankly, stupid thing that he's doing that I would think it would just be disqualifying. It's like, look, like th- this is, this is, yeah, why would I, I'm just going to dump, dump you. Why don't you do that? Well, because so, so you're, you're starting with a false, potentially false premise, right? Because you're, you're implying that every time I was going to have sex, I was looking to have a relationship with that person, which was not always Oh, the case, that's a fair point. That's right? a fair point. Okay. So, <laughs> so you know. Let's say you were. Let's say yeah, you were looking for a relationship. Um, I still don't think it would, it wouldn't necessarily disqualify. I mean, like the guy who then wouldn't get tested, that disqualified him, you know? So, but I think if, if I'm digging someone and the moment gets to that point and maybe he wasn't expecting it, maybe, you know, it just. These are all men in their thirties or later, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it should disqualify them. (laughs) I was like, as like a, yeah, I did. That's my opinion. The, as a relationship, the other part point you made is reasonable. If if it's not, if you're not looking for a long-term partner, then of course uh, you're looking for something different and that's totally reasonable. But I think uh, that's, (laughs) Mike, I think I'm sure what's going on there. I I am. It's sort of an IQ I know test, right? No, yeah. I don't think it is. I think most men, most actually isn't strong enough. Like almost all men, I think, are presuming that the woman is gatekeeping it in a more responsible way than they are. And so they're presuming she's on birth control. They're presuming that she's Yeah, that's clean. stupid. That's stupid. I, they I, should- I, they should, because I, think about it this way. They, uh, if I'm a guy and I want to, um, 
as men do, I want to have a nice orgasm uh, at the end of this date. Um, I want to maximize the odds of that orgasm. Now, there are two choices. I could bring a condom or not bring a condom. If I don't bring a condom, then there is the very real risk that she won't have one and then I don't get my nice orgasm. Unless maybe what they want is they want to like uh, give you a pearl necklace. In other words, they want some sort of external experience. But I don't think that's what's going on. I think they're just basically lessening their odds of that orgasm, which I think is stupid. Well, there definitely are some guys who will say, oh, no, I can't. Like, I don't like to have sex with a condom. That doesn't feel as good to me. So They would rather not have sex? They would rather not have sex? No, they would rather just, they just sort of push and like, hey, baby, like, let's just go for it without a condom kind of thing. So to me, that's a disqualifier. That's a somebody I'm not going to go out. The issue is they're effectively saying they would rather not have sex. They're saying because because they're going to behave in a manner where a reasonable woman would say no. Well, maybe, but I think that's not, I think that's not always true too. I think a lot of women would still say yes, because they're in the moment or they really like the guy or they want the guy to like them, which is a big problem. Or they're afraid. And yeah. And let me back up and just say, I can't tell you how many of my um, friends have said to like single midlife friends have said to me, now, how, how exactly do you talk about using a condom? How do you, when do you like, where I'm like, you just say it. They're like, well, how do you say it? I'm like, you just say it. Like, what are you talking about? So that has actually shown me how many women I know. I believe you. Also don't, don't practice safe sex because in the moment they're just kind of like, okay, well, whatever. And then once you've had sex once with a guy without a condom, then you might as well do it a bunch more times. Right. So, and I don't know how much of it has to do with also being at midlife. I mean, or being post-divorce. I do. I know I met a guy at one point you know, we started hooking up, we had sex and he, he, he actually had just gotten tested. Okay. And so he literally pulled up his like test results on his phone for me that night. And he was like, I just got tested Thursday. It's just like a weird coincidence. And so I was like, all right, but here's (laughs) the thing. Two things about that. One was he, I hadn't just gotten tested. He didn't care, you know? And also the next day he said to me, oh my God, oh my God, I didn't even ask you, are you on birth control? (laughs) And I said, yeah. I said, but rookie mistake. He goes, yeah. I mean, I just coming out of marriage. I'm not thinking about that anymore. I'm like, I know, but like you should be. Yeah. Well, that I respect more. easily been no. I respect that more because um, on the one hand, uh, so I'm more frustrated with the man who lowers his risk of copulating because I think there it's just, yeah, it's just an IQ test. Like he's, he has a goal and he's lowering his odds of getting it. Now you're this other risk that he might impregnate somebody not wanting to, well, there he's actually following his programming. I mean, that's what men are supposed to do. So, I mean, I can understand that. I mean, he, he basically just was, uh, he, he, he still got to have sex, right? Which was his primary objective. Mm, I think that, I think his brain had checked out at that point. <laughs> well, but he, yeah, but I mean, that's, he, he was on the roller coaster ride at that point. So then he, yeah. yeah, like men do have a certain, um, yeah, it makes sense to me that men would sort of lose their mind in that situation and, 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 and be willing to impregnate somebody, uh, when, even when they, they shouldn't. Okay. I, I want to say something here. Uh, Mike, I think your premise that the man is lowering his odds of copulation at any point is 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 wrong. Like, I think, I think a man would like pretend not to have a condom. He would like offer resistance, but ultimately he would always just go down, 
he might have one a and b he might just go down to the corner store to get one it's just that he's applying pressure because he would rather have unprotected sex so he's never removing sex from the table for himself he's just being mac maximally coercive well, that just makes me angry with the woman then because you because you know in, in in ordinary life women gatekeep so carefully access to sex with a new partner and then when you get to this stage they're willing to let the guy they're willing to tolerate this guy having to run down to the corner store after trying to aggressively well, no, to persuade them to have sex without a condom. I mean, I most of my friends are very sexualized, you know, very sexual women, really like sex, enjoy sex. Like that's one of the things we joke about that kind of brought us all together. So I don't think they gatekeep the way you're saying. I don't think that that's, that's universally true. I mean, I think some women do, but I think those are women who maybe even have lower sex drives. I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot in my friend group is how it's sort of unfair when you have, when you're a woman with a high sex drive, it's kind of an unfair situation in a way in our society that you're put in because it, men can just go out and have sex, you know, whenever they want without worrying about their reputation or their, you know, how they're going to get labeled. And women, if we do, it is, can be much more problematic. I mean, A, you can definitely get labeled, you can get shamed, be like a lot of guys, if you have sex too soon, they will lose interest in you. I've seen this happen over and over. And so there is a double standard that goes on. And so if you want to just, as a woman, if you want to get laid just to get laid, it's actually a problem. It's hard. It's difficult. You have to purposely choose someone you don't want a relationship with if you want to just have a fling because you know that your chances of, you know, sleeping with soon is going to lose lose their interest. I think your points have merit, but let's say that you and I went to a bar in a city. Uh, we live in different cities, so I can't pick anything specific, more specific than that uh, on a uh, you know Friday night. And we were going to see who could have sex the fastest. Uh, what percentage of the time do you think I would win that competition? And we're oh. not allowed to pay anyone. <laughs> so now you sound... So I have this like really close guy friend, single you know, a straight guy friend in Cincinnati and he says the same shit. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it's, yes. Okay. I do think I would, yes, I would be able to have sex sooner. I do. Right. I, do. I think also that the, I, I mean, it. there, there's, I, I, um, I think you're going to say that this is due to show, social pressure, but I'll just say it. The, um, uh, there was a, there, this has been replicated a few times, uh, and it's these results are relatively obvious. Uh, you take an, a very attractive man and a very attractive woman, put them on a college campus, and they proposition people of the opposite gender uh, uh, for sex. The woman who propositions men, something like 50% of the men are like, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll go have sex with you right now. Uh, they've never, it is, I, I, to my reading of these studies, it has never happened that a man had a woman say yes, ever. Zero. It's really? zero. It's actually zero. Yes. And it's a very attractive man on a college campus. Now you could say, oh, that's because the women don't want to be socially shamed, but it's not. It's not. It's because women don't want to do that. That doesn't happen. I, b- I believe that your sex drive, that a pr- woman can have a higher sex drive, but I still think that like there's a significant amount of gatekeeping there. Interesting. I wonder too, if there's an age difference though. I mean, I feel like when coming out of a long-term marriage, there is a little bit of a sowing of oats kind of feeling that definitely men have, but I think women have too, you know? And I think it's like, wow, like I, you know, this whole world just opened up to me. I thought I was going to till death do us part. I thought I was growing old with this person. Suddenly you're not. And suddenly it's like, 
oh, I can reinvent myself. I can have all sorts of new different experiences that I've never had before. I can sure. try out different kinds of guys. I have a question. <laughs> if, if, if you're pursuing, uh, and not, I mean, I, I believe what, what you're saying, actually, I believe like I've, I've heard this type of situation many times. And I think it is true that on college campuses, like there's a, a selection effect due to the age for sure. Um, if you, let's say, have a number of encounters with, with men that are for fun, they're not seeking a relationship. Um, and most of them have, you have sex only a couple times, a handful of times, maybe only once. Um, do you find it easy on that first, second or third encounter, say, particularly the first to have an orgasm during the, during the sex with the man? So I do. I don't have a problem with it at all, but I am literally the only per woman I know that says that. All my friends say, no, it takes, you know, three or four times. So don't you think that your feelings about this could be biased by that, that you're extremely unusual in that you have? And I'm curious sort of why it's so easy for you, actually. Have you introspected about that? Yeah, I have. I mean, <laughs> I mean, some people jokingly say I'm like a guy when it comes to sex, right? So, and I... I, I kind of agree with that. I I'd think like to hear I, more about that. But I mean, what, 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 so what do you, um, so is this because like during, during the sex act you masturbate or you're, it's very easy for you? I mean, what, or, or is it, are you I saying just, you have, I, I don't, I can have sex with someone and not like catch feelings, if you will. Right. <laughs> no, I hear that. But usually there's just, there's just, uh, women are not the, the female, um, arousal process is a little more complex than the male. And also, uh, just like with the condom issue, men often are not as uh, careful or as good in many cases at um, attending to the needs of a woman. And so is it is it that pretty much anything the man does, you're able to achieve orgasm? Do you masturbate? Like, is there, what, um, what, how are you, how does this happen? So I, so I have internal orgasms. So I know, I think it's only like 25% of women can have an internal orgasm, mm -hmm. but I do, and I have them very easily, very regularly. So you know, I think that that is a huge part of it that I can do that. Is that <laughs> when you that. when you masturbate by yourself? Do you master? Do you not? Do you masturbate internally as well? I don't actually. I don't. Do you notice a <laughs> difference in the experience you have between the one you have yes, internally yes, versus externally? Yes, can you describe yes, the so difference? I, I like internal orgasms better, and I can't achieve those on my own. So that is like I my. Whoa. I can't. Well, I mean, Even I. I could, I just don't like it. I don't like sticking something silicone inside me. Okay. <laughs> There's also glass, um, yeah, uh, I know, vegetables. I, know. I mean, I don't know if this is, if this is like really weird to talk about, but like when I was a, a kid kind of, when I was in high school, I worked at a doctor's office. Okay. And I, a woman there had put a tamp on it and then put another tamp on it because she didn't realize. And so yeah. she had this tamp on in there for like a week and she got super sick and she almost yes. died. And so it just freaked me the fuck out. And so ever since then, I am a little weird about sticking non, you know, organic Penises. objects. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I feel I'm, like that, that's irrational. I feel like, I mean, part of the premise yeah. of your book and so forth is, is women overcoming. Um, that's irrational, right? That's not actually well, a risk if you use something yeah, safe. Like a little bit of a, like a trauma, whatever, whatever. So yeah, I could probably tap on that. I've never thought about it before. Yeah, for sure. And then I could probably use, you know, stuff. But right. whatever, the, I, I I'll, get, I'll get a clitoral orgasm when I masturbate. Like that's fine. That works. You know, for, for the listeners, the, uh, the tapping that she's referring to is one of the techniques she mentions in the book for, um, for, um, sort of changing your mental state. 
Um, the, the, uh, okay. Can you describe the difference between, so do you never have clitoral orgasms with partners? No, I do. I do. I do. Um, you you, you seem to vastly prefer the internal ones. Can you describe like why and how you vastly, I mean, what, what is the difference Um, in sensation? Well, so what I learned in some of my training is that there's, you know, nerve ending connect connections basically between your clitoris and your G spot. And that there's actually more, there's not just, well, there's one G spot officially, but there's multiple spots internally that have these nerve bundles that connect directly to your clitoris. And so I don't know. I feel like I, when those get stimulated, I can feel it. I can feel it like. Yeah. But what happens to your body? Like, do you, do you like, uh, if it's clitoral, are you just, are you still aware of your surroundings? But when it's internal, you lose such awareness. Like, I mean, is it, is it much more powerful? Yeah, I just think it's more powerful. Make me jealous here. Well, well, okay. So actually, <laughs> so what it is, I just, it just clicked, is I, it can happen over and over and over again. When So when I have a clitoral orgasm, then there's like a little downtime. Like you need a little downtime, right? Because you get, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming you guys know. Then a woman becomes a little like really sensitive there, right? So, but if I have an internal orgasm, I can have like seven in a row. If If the guy keeps hitting that spot, with his finger or his penis or whatever, I can just keep coming. And so that is awesome. Obviously. That's cool. Is it, <laughs> and when you have these internal orgasms, obviously with the clitoral orgasm, like the normal sort of uh, experience, both men and women, actually they're, they're quite similar as uh, sort of contractions of the pelvic floor muscles. Like you feel, you know, uh, this kind of repetitive, pleasurable contractions. Is it the same uh, when you have the, the, the internal orgasm or does it feel different in some way? the same it's just that when you keep hitting that over and over it like i don't know i think it gives me a little bit of a brain high if you will you know just um do you find that the first one and the seventh one are are equally pleasurable yeah i do okay i I, I couldn't even say that i think the seventh one can be more because it's like I don't know. It's fun. It's fun because then usually my partner is like super excited too because they can tell, right? And so then they're, you know, getting more excited and more into it because they're happy that they're making me happy and that they're giving me all this pleasure, you know? So okay. so let, let's say if you, let's say if you, and you're saying when you have a clitoral orgasm, you're done. You're not done having sex necessarily, but you're, that you're not going to have another one. Now, let's say that you had a clitoral orgasm and then started having penis and vagina sex. Yeah. Do you think you could then have a, an internal orgasm? In other words, does that yeah. reset? I mean, sometimes like for instance, if I'm on top, I can have both at the same time. At the same time? Yeah. Like simultaneously? Yeah. What do you I know? Mean, not at the exact same time, but you know, it's, I see. I'm okay. having both experiences. Like I see. And the, 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 let's say that you had, I'm trying to understand whether the clitoral organism sort of ends the session. No. Okay. No, not for me. But you, know, you can't have two of those. Like if you have one, then you'd have to wait sort of like a man does like 30 minutes before you could have a second one. Um, Like I think if it happens when I'm actually having sex on top, then I think I could just keep having sex and then eventually I could have another one of those. But when, it, but it, if it's like oral sex, like then it's kind of like done. Like then I, I like need a little pause. I see. You know. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, um, yeah, Keith, you should probably move on to. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that because we haven't had anybody sort of like go through that stuff in detail. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a, it's somewhat it's a somewhat rare experience. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that um, I, I am having a little bit of an internal struggle right now. I'll be honest, because I'm like, oh god, I really wasn't expecting to talk about all this. But at the same time, 
I am kind of passionate about it because it, it does make me sad that so many women don't have that experience, can't have that experience. And I really think that so much of it is because women are in their heads and not in their bodies when they're having sex. And so if you can just like really let go and and not be thinking about shit and not be worrying like, do I look good? Do, does What is he thinking? Am I you know, touching him the way he wants to be touched or whatever, you know, just all that shit. Like if you can just get out of your head and just really be in your body and just feel deeply into the feelings, I think most women would then start to be able to feel an internal orgasm as well. I mean, I don't know that I'm super, like have super special vagina sure. or anything like, yeah. you know, but I Is think it, it's, yeah. it's a head game. I think it, that's my theory. I think there's um, some... It could be a bit of both, yeah. but I think it's yeah. probably more mental than than physical. But there it, is yeah, some so scientific data. Some on, people have physical barriers. Yeah, the the um, there is some scientific data on this that women who have um, uh, internal uh, orgasms are likely to have a shorter distance between their clitoris and their vaginal opening. So there can actually be a physical uh, reason, of course. With, as with anything human, like just because there's some studies pointing to that doesn't mean it's correct as an explanation. Right. Um, and, but, and also it, it sounds to me like you're describing that the internal experience, um, maybe it's more whole body or maybe, I mean, there's, there are things I've read in other contexts that suggest like, for example, uh, people will say a clitoral experience is more focused on their pelvis and legs, whereas the full body, the other, the other one is more experienced throughout the body and it's more yeah, all-consuming. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way before, but now that you say it, I would agree with that. Sure. That That's makes nice. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps, so. and perhaps the clitoral one is more as a more well-defined length of maybe say 10 to 25 seconds or something. And the vaginal one can kind of roll and go on and on. Is yes. that also a fair description? Yeah. That is right. exactly how I would describe it. Yes. Yeah. People use the analogy to waves for the, for the internal ones. Yeah. That's yep. Sort, sort yep. of riding yep. waves. Right. Right, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it, I don't know if there's an analogous experience for men, and so <laughs> right. it's a, it, there is Keith. It's prostate stimulation. Have you been with a man that enjoyed prostate stimulation, Allison? Have I? I mean, I have, I have, but it hasn't got, been yeah. a defining thing, you know, with anyone I've been with. I wouldn't say. So, and have you had a, had a man specifically bring it up to you and say, "Hey, this is what I, I'm, I'm really into this"? No. Oh, no. you've had to bring it up? Um, when when just like messing around or playing around, like some yeah. guys are into it and some aren't. But how do you find that out? Do they tell you or you have to sort of try things out and then see I how they react? Yeah. Okay. 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 That's an uh, um that's interesting. So men are seem to be generally not that communicative about this stuff. They're they're not talking about the condoms, they're not talking about the STIs, well, and they're not talking about their their what what works for them. Well, the, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because one of the number one like feedback things I've gotten has been, wow, it's great how much you communicate. So mm -hmm. I don't know if this, cause I am a therapist, you know, I am a trained therapist, right? So, so I am very communicative both pre and during and post even, but not so much post, but you know what I mean? And sure. so I, I am very um, vocal in the bedroom. I'm very clear. I don't even remember. Did I talk about that in the book? If I didn't, I should have, but like, I, you know, it's like, I have so many guys tell me like, oh my God, it, you wouldn't believe how many women don't make noise, kind of lay there like a dead fish, kind of this, kind of that. And I'm like, really? I, and I don't even understand it. It's not like I'm making noise because I'm like trying to be a porn star. But when you're really in your body, I, 
I don't even know that I'm making noise sometimes. Like I've yeah. had, like, I was like cover my hand and I, or my mouth to keep me quieter. And I didn't even realize because I was so sort of lost in the moment that I'm not yeah. aware of, of what's happening, you know, of that happening. So you're, but, but it's, you're saying it's more sort of, uh, non, you're not speaking as much because well, when you, at first, when you started with, oh, so in, in that context, like what, what, what kinds of things might you say? Very directive. Like, like what? Like, like over there, down, move down a little bit. Nope, not there, yeah. down, you know, and harder, you know, like whatever. Harder. Just what do, when you say harder, what, what do you want to have happen? I want like harder, deeper penetration sometimes. So does you, you want know. him to maneuver your legs in a different way or you actually want him to use more muscles and sort of hit the tennis ball harder? Hit the tennis ball harder. <laughs> That's <laughs> interesting. Sure. Keith, do you yeah. get that feedback sometimes that you the, the, the woman wants the tennis ball hit harder? Or are no, you I already always, hitting so hard? I always so use hard. the ideal amount of force <laughs> using telekinesis. I can tell what she wants. I mean, I, this experience of a woman, especially in early sexual encounters, uh, clearly communicating what she likes is something that's happened to me very few times. And it's frustrating because I have to sort of roll out this array of like trial balloons to try to find what she likes. And it's inefficient for everybody, but, you know, most women, I don't know about most, I, yeah, I wouldn't be careful not to like generalize. Many women are not as, I think, um, what is it? Uh, confident? Li- dating like a goddess, like confident and, you know, feeling yeah. powerful in their, in their, you know, wants and desires, uh, especially in early like that. They, I mean, they could also want to be more passive and yeah, not, I mean, not take certainly that, you know? some women are more submissive um, and taking control would sort of break that veil a little bit. Yes. But I think there's something else going on there, which is, yeah, I think you can be submissive, but also hmm, even saying Correct. this. Yeah, I was going to use the word directive, but I was like, okay, I mean, you could argue that that's an antonym to submissive. Yeah. But, but in any case... Uh, I think the spirit of being submissive is not necessarily completely antithetical to saying like, look, I don't like, you know, stimulation. Uh, yeah. I prefer you to run your finger along instead of across my clit or whatever it is, you know, or yeah. more pressure or less or faster or slower. I mean, I think these things can be communicated and still letting the man right. feel like and be in charge. I, wonder, yeah, I, if oh, I wonder if it's because women, um, <clears throat> I wonder now that we're talking about it, how much it could be if a woman is with a man. I, I do think most women don't have casual sex and most women have sex with someone they want to be in a relationship with. So there's that. And so if you're starting from that place and you're really invested in sort of quote unquote, getting this guy to like you, you know, one of the chapters in my book, I talk about sort of the difference between being chosen versus being the chooser. And I think you know, I, I say like the chapter's called How Cinderella Fucked Me Up. And so there's this idea, we grow up on this idea, especially women in my generation from Disney or whatever, you know, you want to say yeah. that you are supposed to be chosen, that you're supposed to just like sit there and be pretty and be, you know, cute and be whatever the guy wants you to be to get chosen and to like knock the stepsisters out of your way. So there's just like competition with other women thing that goes on. And then there's this I just have to sit here and hope to get chosen rather than sort of a more empowered stance of actually I'm also doing the choosing and I can show up 
on a date, like I would show up on a job interview, like, yeah, I want him to like me, but also I want to see if I like him. Right. And I just don't think a lot of women totally do that. I think a lot of women fall for this idea that there's this scarcity of good men, especially at midlife. There's a scarcity of quote unquote good men left out there type of idea. And so if they find someone they like, they're just going to like hang on for dear life to do anything and everything to get them to like them. And so I think what when that translates in the bedroom, it is, and this is what I've heard from some women, it is, um, I know this guy could date someone 15 years younger than me with like a hot body and I have this old body, saggy skin or whatever it is. And so I'm very paranoid about that. So I want to keep the lights off. I want to lay in a certain way. I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't want to be on top or underneath or whatever position they feel their body doesn't look good in. They don't want to be in that position because they don't want the guy seeing them that way and, and then losing interest. You know, so there's just this like fear kind of thing of how easily like, oh, if I give him a blowjob the wrong way, he's going to leave me or whatever. You know, so there's just all this like fear that goes into it that I think keeps women really kind of frozen in their sexual experiences that I would imagine is partly why women are appearing to be kind of frozen when they're, you know, yeah. having this sort of dead fish kind of persona or whatever, um, however you want to say it. Yeah. They're sort of that, yeah. Letting sex happen to them more than actively participate in. Right. I've never actually considered the notion of a woman. Oh, I've never ahead. considered the notion of a woman being afraid uh, while performing a blowjob that she wasn't performing it correctly. Oh my God. They all, I mean, so many women do so many women, they obsess on it. People like research it. Yeah. Wait, wait. So, but, but while, while performing the act, so, um, it makes sense to me that she might be thinking, uh, when's this going to end? This is taking a long time, but you're saying there's this other thought, which is like, wow, you know, was his last girlfriend better at this? Is that like actually the more common thought? I think so, especially if it is taking a long time, women take it personal. And so then they say, you know, then they're thinking in their head like, oh, I'm not doing it right because it's taking forever. And this is another really interesting thing that I've discovered in post-divorce dating has so many guys will say to me pretty early, they'll say, hey, listen, like sometimes it takes me a while to come. It's because I'm getting older and please don't take it personally. And I'm always like, I would never take that personally. Like, I don't like that's in some ways better for me. Right. But, um, but they, they've told me women will cry. Women will run out of the room. Like they've had all these experiences where if they don't come in sort of this time frame that the woman, I guess, thinks they're supposed to or whatever, then the woman takes it personal and gets very, very upset, which then fucks with the guy's head. And so then it makes it harder for him to perform into orgasm. And it's just like this like um, vicious cycle that happens. And I, I, I've really, like I've dated a handful of guys that have told me that. So it's, it's, I think it must be kind of common because I think that would be weird that I would just happen to date you know, the few guys that have that experience, I'm wondering if it's more and more common. I'm wondering if it's obviously like, you know, we know that there's some performance stuff that goes along with the porn consumption and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I wanted to mention, I wanted to mention that Keith, well, Keith, um, I don't want to speak for you too much here, Keith, but Keith, I believe in his porn consumption prefers um, women who look perfect or close to perfect. In other words, he indexes highly on the 
specific attractiveness of the woman. I think this is fairly common. I'm not attacking Keith here. But I also think there's like a really a very common uh, thread, which is which relates to your discussion of women's concerns about how they look specifically where I actually think it's yeah, it's, it's maybe equally maybe more common for men to focus on in porn on what the woman does more than how she looks. Uh, of course, there's a, a delicate balance there. You could have a woman that is sufficiently unattractive that uh, what she does cannot overcome that. But I think in a lot of cases, the, the it's the woman's um, approach uh, that that can matter more. And I think that reinforces your point that it's that women don't necessarily have to be concerned about that. And probably, if a guy is going to have a preference that's strongly attached to specifically attractiveness, he's not going to. You're not going to get to the point where you're having sex anyway because he's going to be dating much younger or whatever women. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I don't really he think probably about wants that. to defend himself about porn now. Well, I don't even understand the attack. Is the attack that I like attractive women? No, no, it's it's not really an attack. It's 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 that it's that <clears throat> it's this. It's that I think if you and my porn consumption people can see actually because I now have a subreddit uh curated amateur porn of the, the stuff that I consume. Actually I actually to be honest when I post things to that subreddit uh, I actually filter a little bit because of this concern, because a lot of times there are things where the woman I think is not attractive enough that like it might, I might get downvoted. <laughs> so I worry about that. It's a funny thing to worry about. Um, <laughs> but I would say that I think I index more strongly on the, what's happening than on the specific attractiveness. Oh, so I, I think see. there are a lot of men who index more. So like, uh, so, so you might say, oh, this, she's so hot, but I find the scene or the situation uh, more important. Look, if the person's very unattractive, that's not, it's going to be a problem. But like, I find what's happening to be more, more important than, and actually like uh, just seeing a woman that's very attractive, like dancing, which is nice, but that would be less arousing for me. Than, so yeah. one of the things that I, one of the feedback that I've gotten that I, you know, addressed or tried to address in the book was that many guys have told me what's great about you know, the experience that I've had with them was that I was really into it and that I was mm -hmm. just excited. And, yeah. and so, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I do think I'm an attractive person. So I guess there is that. So there is sort of a baseline. I mean, we, I, I have to be with a person that I'm attracted to, right? So there's a baseline, like you're already attracted to each other if you've gotten to that point, which I guess yes. is what you were Thing, right yeah once you're and in the so, bedroom like you've already well, hang, yeah right. actually here's i think we can get a specific point here uh what's um yeah. so you're you've described pretty well like your 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 interest um keith on a scale of one to ten how interested are you in having sex with allison or do you want me to go first i think i think I given think what she's described i'm like an eight i'm yes. not i'm not kidding be oh you're an eight yeah. also Oh, okay. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I thought you sure. would be lower because you'd be like, yeah. Well, what's okay. the scale? Okay. Is five average? I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's, I mean, the point you're trying okay. to make is like generally. I was interested. hoping you'd be lower than me. And, and to the extent. No, I was hoping you'd be lower. Oh. Because I you mean, would index more on. Thing. Yeah, I know. But like, but like, I, I, okay. But yeah, I index pretty high on. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that your general approach and attitude is, is pretty attractive. So, yeah, I'm, I think that works. And that's yeah. something that I think is teachable. Like that's, that's the point, right? Is that, you, you know, someone's looks is not, is, it is what it is, but, but someone's attitude in the bedroom and someone's like taking it lighthearted, having fun, you know, not, I think, do I talk about this in the book? I think I talk about this in the book. Like, don't, don't be just so focused on trying to get a guy to orgasm in a blowjob that you are like to the point where you're working at it. And then they know that 
you're working at it. And I've had guys tell me they can tell if a woman just wants it to be over with, they can tell. And then that actually makes it harder for them to orgasm. So it's, it's kind of like a lose, lose, but if you're just like, you know, giving a guy a blowjob and then doing something else and then back to it because it's fun for you. If you're just following your own fun in the bedroom, because you're just doing what feels good and what feels sexy in that moment, then, you know, I think that that is where the win-win comes. And that Mm -hmm. is where, because I, I feel that most guys, I always say 90%, but some people argue with this point, that number with me, but I feel like 90% of guys actually want to make the woman really happy and want to give the woman a lot of pleasure. And obviously you guys only orgasm once and it's done. So all the preamble is really about sort of pleasuring a woman. And I say, if you find a guy that that's not, he's not into giving you pleasure, then ditch him because there's like a million other guys out there who that is really what they want. And that is what's fun. And obviously, you know, guys want to orgasm too, but, but that there's so much, fun that can happen before that for you. And if you really are open to receiving it and open to experiencing it and enjoying it and not just having sex to have sex and get it over with, but if you're in the moment and you're enjoying it and you're having fun, then everybody's having fun if you're with a good guy. Yeah. I think enthusiasm and, you know, and not simulated enthusiasm, like actual genuine enthusiasm and advocating for one's own pleasure is yeah it's just attractive um and oh for sure i mean we've uh we, that that uh for example um we did a show a, a few weeks ago about uh this relating to cam girls you know the women who uh you, you, uh, do like live shows people. on the internet and uh and um mm, they make oh, substantially right. more money if they take a more active kind of interested role uh than if they uh, or approach, I should say, than if they are much more passive and are just sort of showing off their bodies. Um, and I think that's partly because it's so unusual for men. Let me ask you a question, Allison. Would you rather give the first 90% of a blowjob or the last 10%? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> he saw it on TikTok and he's been obsessed. So, <laughs> well, That's a TikTok question? It is. Well, his TikTok feed is not like most. Or maybe it is. Anyway. My TikTok feed. Is, my TikTok feed is awesome. It's like a, it's like it's like it's like an interspersing of sex and episodes of Matlock. <laughs> wow, that just gave me a lot of psychological insight into your mind. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> sure I needed it, but um, so I don't know. I that's a tough question because uh, I think both are good, and it sort of depends again on what's happening all around you know if i'm doing like the first 90 percent, and then i'm getting some oral sex and then we're going back and no, let's say it's your let's say it's uh you know some sort of you know he's sitting on the edge of the bed you're on your knees in front of him pleasuring mm-hmm. him yeah let's not let's not assume that you're because i know you 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 you're you are someone who receives a lot of pleasure i got that but let's assume <laughs> that you're giving the pleasure in this case and, I, and i'm only giving the pleasure and then yes. yeah. so if i had to yeah. pick which would i yeah. pick yeah i mean i do think like coming is hot so I there we go there it is okay and let me ask you this um because this <laughs> that reaction is that like is that what most women say like what is no, it <laughs> no it's not it's not but it's what he, it's what i want to hear the uh and it the... makes sense given like yeah like she's enjoying yeah she's you... enjoying sex more than the average gal i think if and there was it, a yeah. way for the man not to ejaculate any semen but have an orgasm would you push that button so there, so nothing came out no Oh, that's okay, you fun. want the semen coming out. I don't. Do you uh, find that you enjoy 
the direct connection to his orgasmic experience via the semen coming out. In other words, like you, 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 you get a tangible, uh, uh, thing in return or if that, that yes, you're, you're nodding. Yes. So it, yes, yes. 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 I find it exciting. It excites me for sure. It's very, yeah, yeah. this is great. Um, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I, for instance, I, I somewhat recently <laughs> had someone sending me some videos and you know, the videos were, you know, him pleasuring himself. And then I was like, um, I want to see you come. Like, what? Like, why are you stopping before that? Like, send oh, me the interesting. good stuff. You know? So, you, so <laughs> wait. So, there's there's another TikTok that I receive that uh, that maybe you would agree with. I've actually had women say negative things to me about this, but maybe they're just you know they're just lying. They're just like covering up their true selves. Uh, they say what women the, don't this? want dick pics. I know I'm getting there. Women don't okay, want dick okay. pics. They want videos of you coming with sound turned on. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. Yeah. You want the moaning, right? So you would, so you actually are definitely a candidate for like the subreddit called uh, Chick Flicks, which is a oh, good yeah. subreddit that has a porn posted that's, it's completely curated by women who, uh, and they specifically look for like this kind of content with men moaning. P- perhaps you prefer getting videos from your partners to, you know, kind of private videos, but. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know, like if it's a video and someone uses my name or something that's like hotter, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I don't know. I have a friend who is really into just dick pics. Like she, she loves it. She thinks it's awesome. And oh. there was a point in time. Can I get her where- phone number? Or- yeah, yeah. We'd be happy to indulge her. We get, we get a number. We get a number of dick pics uh, at the show, and so we, we have, we have a good. Yeah, we, oh yeah, we do. So here's my funniest story about her. <laughs> so I, there was a point in time where I was. Um, it was actually during the pandemic, so I actually wasn't actually dating any of these guys, but I was having a lot of sort of, you know, fun, erotic conversations and just things to get through the pandemic um, with sure. multiple men. So I was getting, a, I did have You were having phone, phone sex. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and so getting a lot of different dick pics. And so I was, I would send them to her cause I knew she liked him. And so she said one day it popped up on her Apple watch in a work meeting and she was oh, like, Oh my. <laughs> And the funniest was, you know, world started opening up. I decide to go out with one of the guys and I actually meet him for a date. And she was like, oh, is this the big pink one? Like, I was like, oh, my God, you are matching my guys with their dick pics. That's was, amazing. Was it, was it the it big was. pink one? It was accurate. It was accurate. She guessed it right. <laughs> I was like, wow. Funny, the men you're dating have dick signatures. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's a risk. I mean, because if you had started dating, you know, if she met him and so forth, maybe she would. I mean, w- yeah, and she also might then be interested in, you know, a relationship with him, given that her. Well, she if she was dating someone at the time. <laughs> I see. Well, <laughs> and I think like that sort of detached penis. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, okay. Here's a question. Could. Okay, first first off, let me stipulate. I don't think most people like receiving dick pics. Um, I would agree with that. I don't think. Okay. I, and but, I don't love receiving them either, just especially un... Um, solicited. Yeah, right. unsolicited. Mm-hmm. Right. But, okay, for to the extent that a, a dick pic connoisseur exists, um, I think we've, <laughs> we've, we, have, we have found one here. Now, <laughs> yeah, like, could, could someone significant... I guess, yeah, I'm... 
she might be doing it just because she thinks it's funny. It, it doesn't mean that it's erotic for her friend. In other words, I, I, I'm somewhat, I'm actually very skeptical that she has, a, you know, a gallery of these dick pics that she masturbates. Oh yeah, she, she definitely does on her hidden folder. Wait, what? Her phone, but, but does she masturbate to them? Sometimes, yeah. Oh. I mean, that's what she said. Is there? Yeah. I mean, is there something unusual about her? Uh, otherwise, I mean, like, she a, has, like a high sex drive, and like you know, I mean, at this point, she's actually in a, a like a. a relationship that appears to be long-term. So probably she doesn't do that anymore, I'm guessing. But there was a point, I mean, I think, again, it was right out of her marriage. When you get out of a long-term marriage, and she's she's actually the one that would say this, when you get out of a long-term marriage and you're now at midlife and you're no longer looking to meet and procreate with the father of your children, you know, you date very differently. It's, it's just, I mean, you can date very differently. And if it's, if what if you're not looking to even necessarily get married again, you date very differently. And so it's much more, I think it can be, and this is part of why I wrote the book, is it can be much more about what you want. You know, and a lot of women have spent most of their lives, you know, kind of making sure their kids are okay, making sure their husband's okay, playing second fiddle. And now it's like, you're single again, sky full stars is open to you. You can have, you can date whatever you want. You can, you know, mess around and, and, date a guy who you would never necessarily see yourself in a long-term relationship with, but if it's fun and he's sexy and you're into it, you can do that. You can do that for a few months and move on. I mean, it's just, it's just a totally different mental state than I think when you're dating in your twenties and thirties, you are looking for a long-term relationship. And so you're going to rule guys out faster or you're not going to get involved with certain guys because you're like, oh, that wouldn't make a good sort of life partner kind of thing. But when you're dating at midlife post-divorce, you're just not thinking about that anymore. Or Hmm. a lot of women aren't. This is because of the... Back this is because of the uh, emotional slash biological imperative to have children that women experience in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of women want that. I suppose if if you didn't want kids, maybe you are dating in that different way from the get-go. But I, I feel like most women do. A lot of, you know, a, it's a very high percentage, right? Yes. I don't know exactly, but... I assume. Um, it's yeah. high. <laughs> it appears that way. <laughs> it yeah. appears that way. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's, that that's different. I think it's, it can, dating post-divorce can be really empowering. It can be really fun. I mean, one of the things I talk about in the book is that it actually restored my faith in men that I hadn't had the best experiences uh, pre-marriage. I didn't necessarily have the best experience with the ending of my marriage. And then when I went out and started dating, I started dating these really great guys who were awesome, you know, except and for was- the condom thing. The co- I mean, there's one <laughs> like, well, seriously, I, 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 was a little I, we got over it really quick. Well, you sort of lowered, <laughs> lowered my faith in, in it a, a bit because of that. I think, Particularly at, at a certain age, you would expect a man to not act like a sort of spoiled child in that regard. No. <laughs> but all the good ones like didn't fight me on it or didn't, you know, or I did have one guy, I think I talk about it in the book, right? Get up and actually leave and go to Walgreens and come back, you know? So I think that, yeah, but I don't know. I met, I met a lot of really good guys. I've met a lot of guys that really truly wanted to make me happy, wanted to you know, serve and, and be, give me pleasure. And, but also not just in the bedroom, but like everywhere, you know, just good guys that wanted to do right and all that fun stuff. So there's, there's a loose end from something that Allison said earlier that I'd like to ask about really quickly, Keith. It, it, um, uh, you mentioned that you like to communicate a lot when having sex and before sex, but not so much <laughs> after the sex. Is that because like me, 
Um, when the sex act completes, you would prefer that the partner not be there anymore uh, so you can be alone uh, and avoid any intimacy. Is that why you feel that way or is there some other um, reason? There have been it? times that I did feel that way. Yes. Like if I wasn't, huh. if I was just like yes. with someone that it was more about the yes. sex and not the relationship. You want, you want the, but, but importantly, uh, see, this is where, this is where we're going to diverge, Keith. Don't worry. Um, importantly, <laughs> um, if you like the partner or if it's not just purely about sex, you actually do enjoy this sort of intimate, cuddly feeling after the sex, don't you? Um, Ooh. I have, I have, <laughs> but not as much. Well, this is, I think my attraction, my, my contraction went from an eight to a nine. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so like, so like you would be fine with Remember having I sex with the guy and then you like, you like retire to separate rooms and like read a book. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have she, <laughs> who is this person? This like, is she has to be careful here because like, yeah, like she's, she's dating around. And so, yeah, she might, yeah, she has to be careful what she says here because she doesn't want like all perspective partners who aren't a sociopath like you to yeah yeah she can't she can't like as like boldly signal this as, as you do but yeah well, I, mean, I, think that, I think that you know there's a couple things one like i really it's like morning great. sex so obviously i want the partner to be there if i want to have morning sex but i've definitely been in situations where i've had sex with someone and then left and went immediately home. You know, I've, I, so when I remember I told you, my friends say you, you are like a guy when it comes to sex. Like, I, I yeah. think that's part of what they're talking about. And as much as like we're joking around about it, actually, I mean, I am a therapist, right? So I've studied attachment theory and I do, I have identified that I have an avoidant attachment style. Well, what does that mean? Um, okay. So there's this really good book out there called Attached, if anyone is interested in reading about this. But there's basically three main attachment styles that people have. It's secure, anxious, and avoidant. And so it, they're kind of what they sound like. You know, secure is you're able to be in relationship, you're able to be in partnership, you're able to have intimacy, and mm-hmm. it's pretty comes pretty easy to you. Anxious is when you are like clingy, needy. Okay. So move to the next one. Yeah. Maybe jealous. About Right. Exactly. So you're very fearful and about losing the partner. So you do all these things that, you know, paradoxically drive the partner away. And then avoidant is when you struggle with intimacy and you need a lot of space and you worry about losing your freedom. So that's for me, I always right about losing my freedom. That's what I, that's what I struggle with. with so that's normal. Home. So that's normal. Is that around <laughs> like, one that's third of people? <laughs> it's, not, it's not normal because it's the lower percentage. I, I forget oh. what percentage it is in the population, but I mean, anxious and avoidant are both lower percentage. Well, it's, more than, it's more than 1% and avoidance more than 1%. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It might okay. be like upwards of 20. I don't Oh, I there should, we go. I shouldn't yeah. say that. Yeah. We shouldn't really speculate. But, right. I is, shouldn't speculate. But and is, 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 is the idea, is the idea in therapy to sort of um, teach somebody about being avoidant or is it to actually like move them toward, uh, like in other words, is it, is it okay for me to stay avoidant? Is that okay? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's up to you. If you, if it's okay with you to not be in truly in, you know, intimate relationships and to experience. Yeah. I like it. Right. Intimacy. Yeah. So if it's not a problem mm-hmm. for you, so in therapy, we describe things as either ego dystonic or ego syntonic. Okay. So if it's ego syntonic, it could be a problem, like a diagnosable problem. But if it's not a problem to you, you're not going to work on it. So as a therapist, right. we wouldn't even try to work on it with you. If it's ego dystonic, it's something that makes you uncomfortable. I mean, to a certain extent, my avoidance 
you know, my avoidant tendencies make me a little uncomfortable because I know that I'm missing out and I know that I'm not going to. I don't think you are. Be- <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think, that, I think you because think of all the things you can do during that, like 30 minutes that someone like Keith is just <laughs> lying in a bed, like stroking somebody. You could be, you could like go build something. You could, you know, learn something. It's great. You're just, you're just having a better think life. It's just strictly savings. better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could even make money during that. I mean, you could do a, a, a counseling session during that 30 minutes, right? Really? It's great. Okay. It's fantastic. I don't, I see yeah. nothing wrong with it. I'm just pleased. I'm just pleased to find out that it's like, a, it's not like, this is actually the, because I've repeatedly brought this up as like a, a, a thing and, and Keith sort of jokes that it, there's something wrong with me and it's like oh it's it's reassuring to know that it's like sort of within the normal bell curve or whatever yeah well and so here's the other problem though <laughs> avoidant people tend to attract anxious people and so then the, they have these very tumultuous relationships because it's you know the one person is being clingy and needy and the one person is pulling away in a way and so it just it creates a lot of problems um, yeah well you just have to learn as the avoidant person not to pull away but just to not care Sure. You're just like, oh, hmm. yeah, I see. I see you're anxious. <laughs> that must suck for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to give one quick caveat though. You can flip in and out. Like I, I have okay, been the sure. one one time in a relationship, um, with an avoidant person. So it, it, you can kind of flip, but you, most people hmm. tend to have a a primary style that they. Well, maybe it's it's the more powerful the the person you were in the relationship with was the more powerful avoidant than you are. Yeah, perhaps. So then you 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 took on the other role. I, I yeah. do strive to be. I, I think I am on the more powerful end of that spectrum. So. You're number one in the avoidant category. Potentially, potentially. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm sorry, but we are out of time. You guys both have meetings. You're not as degenerate as I. But uh, yeah, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. This was mm-hmm. a this was a very entertaining conversation. Um, Thanks for me. I hope I don't regret it. <laughs> you wanna, I don't think you've said anything embarrassing, <laughs> in my opinion. I think you've been uh-huh. open and honest and forthright. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you want to do you want to advertise anything here for our listeners? Yeah, sure, sure. So, at my website, learn to date like a goddess dot com, any of your listeners can go there and download a free copy of my ebook, "Find Love Again: Learn to Date Like a Goddess." And I am very passionate about women changing their experience in midlife dating, becoming empowered. There's lots of tools in there, lots of lessons for helping women to make that mental shift and to make it stick with the EFT tapping. So I am happy to get that out to your listeners. All right, cool. Yeah, go take a look, guys. As for us, you can reach us at ymmvpod at gmail.com. That's the place to ask us questions or give us feedback. Thanks to Allison. Thanks to Mike. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to catching you next time on Your Mileage May Vary. Je me veux